All right, let's open our Bibles, 1 John chapter 2. We are going to pick it up where we left off. Can we turn on that monitor back there, please? 1 John chapter 2. Boy, Patrick and uh, Jim did great jobs, huh? I'm going to take time off again, I think. (laughs) We enjoyed that. So... Uh, a little bit of review from what Patrick shared two weeks ago in our study in 1 John. Uh, it is a convicting passage, and he talked about, you know, what, what not to love. And, you know, it said, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in them. And so, you know, this idea, you know, that, that there's something going on here called the world. Now, it, as Patrick pointed out, it's not the people because says, for God so loved the world, the world of the people, and it's not the planet, but it's this, as Warren Wiersbe uh, defined it, this invisible spiritual system that is opposed to God and Christ. Satan's system. He's the God of this world, opposing the work of Christ on the earth. There's a battle taking place. There's something going on in our, in our society, in our world, that we, we need to pay attention to. So we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And, and Patrick pointed out, you know, the world, there's like a giant pack of lies, he called it. Because Jesus came to bring the way, the truth, and the life. But, but Satan, who is the God of this world, you know, he is the father of lies. So we need to be in the word to know what the truth is. We need to pray. And he, he talked about the three categories and the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I liked uh, that he used Hebrews chapter 12. He said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, author and finisher of our faith. Let's pick it up there in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, I'm in 2 Corinthians, that's nowhere near 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, we're going to look at today. He says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Today, you know, we've talked about uh, the Apostle John, how, you know, God was working in his life. You know, he was, you know, one of the sons of thunder, right? And he wanted just to, you know, uh, call down fire from heaven and destroy people. And then, and then we saw that he was what? The Apostle of what? The apostle of love. Now we see here, John uh, talks about something that makes him uh, not only the apostle of love, but also the eschatologist. You say, well, what, what kind of a word is that? Eschatologist. Let me point out to you in, in, the, in the first part of verse 18, it says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And that word last in, in the, the Greek language, if you look it up in your you'll see that it's the word eschatos. 
E-S-C-H-A-T-O-S, eschatos. And, and it, the, the two words there, eschatos ora, last hour. And that's where we get the word for eschatology. And, and basically, uh, the definition is this, the study of last things, a branch of theology concerned with the final events in the history of the world or of humankind. So John the Apostle of Love, but now he's the eschatologist as well. One of the things we know about John as well, that, that God used him to bring us what? Not only the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John, but what else? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Not the revelation of John, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, and, and in it we see all the, you know, these things that were laid out. The plans and the purposes that God was going to bring about. The, the final events, the, the, the last things, the study of last things. I found a really, uh, really cool quote about, about this. And I know it's three slides, but I want to I go through it with you because I think it really sums this up so well. Is that eschatology is a study of what Scripture teaches about the end times. The church needs the, the teaching of eschatology because it is the capstone and the crown of a systematic theology. Eschatology helps, reminds, helps remind Christians, and I like this part, that this world isn't our home and to look beyond what is presently happening for heaven, where they will be with Christ and his people always and forever. Eschatology is how the how the people understand eschatology impacts how they live their lives and what to expect to occur in the unfolding plan of God in the Word of God. It, it, it teaches us how to live because we know that this isn't all there is. And it also helps Christians to worship God. The end of all theology, which is the study of God, including eschatology, is worship. Isn't that, you never would have connected the two. Eschatology is concerned with the area of biblical truth about the defeat of Satan, the final and perfect judgment of Christ, the new heavens and a new earth, and eternal fellowship with Christ. It, it brings us to this, to this place of worship. I found this in Christianity.com, by the way. So John, he now brings us this passage, and he's going to talk more about this. John is you know, the only one who uses this term antichrist. But I, I thought about this, and I wonder, how is this kind of connected to the last passage that Patrick taught on in 1 John chapter? He talks about the world. Well, it kind of tells us, like, what is the world about? What's in the world? Who's in the world? What's behind the world and the system that, that we're referring to here today? This is something that you and I need to know about, we should know about, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's a truth that, that, that you, know, you have to study to understand. And it's difficult sometimes to get to your mind wrapped around all of this. So some of this stuff we're not going to understand until actually, it actually happens, and we go, oh, that's what that meant. Because some of it is so beyond what we can, our, our human minds can even comprehend. I mean, some of the things that are written about in the book of Revelation, you go like, wow, what in the world is that? But it's all part of the plan of what God has for us. Now, notice he says here, dear children, again, he has this kind of a pastor's heart, a, a, 
a father's heart. He says, this is the last hour. This is the last hour. And, and you, and you kind of think about that. When did he write this? How long ago was it? 2005. Like 2,000 years ago, right? And, and, and he wrote, he said, this is the last hour. Well, you say, well, how does that you know, make any sense? Because that's 2,000 years ago. And now here we are in 2021 and we're looking at this. Well, the, the truth of the matter is, is that the way the Bible kind of frames all this is that, that we should be looking at all times that this is the, the last hour, that this is the last time. We don't know how long that's going to take. We're going to see what Peter said about that near the end here. But, but someone said this other, with other New Testament writers, John viewed the whole period beginning with Christ's first coming as the last days. David Guzik said that, that we should have the constant expectancy of Jesus' return, that it could come at, at any time. And the reason for that, Pastor Chuck pointed out, is, is it, it should affect how we live. If he could come at any moment for us, how, would, how will we be found? What kind of lives will, will we be living I, you know, I, I kind of think about this term, you know, last hour. You know, we, we talk about the last days, and, 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 and Keith Green used to have a, a ministry called The Last Days. How many of you were, have been around long enough to remember that? And, and then, you know, we, we see here the last hour. Well, David Guzik said uh, he wondered if we are now in the last minutes in terms of where we are in the world today, in our situation today, when we stop to think about what is going on today, looking at today, does any of this you know, apply to us today? Look at some of the recent developments. Are they setting the stage? That's a big question, but you know, when I, you know, in my puny little understanding, you look at the world system, you look at the globalism that's happened, it's a big term today, that it wasn't before. The, 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 the ability to even have a something called globalism wasn't even around. But now, look at what's happening here. Some of our leaders, that's, their, that's the bottom line of what they're pushing for is this global situation, this one world system. Now, it's not a very nice thing, and, and, and as John talks about this, you know, I, I, I'm kind of torn in... in, in, in we, we don't like what's happening in the world today. We don't like what's happening in our country today, or most of us don't. Hopefully, all of us don't. But if it's part of the last days, the last time, the last minutes of what God is doing, are we going to be able to stop it? Now, I know and I believe that we should be doing everything that we can do to maintain what is happening in our, you know, the, what our country was founded upon. And I think we need to get involved in, you know, uh, as many ways as we can get involved. But in the ultimately, in the end, who's in charge of what's happening? God is. Paul talked about in 2 Timothy, he said, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. 
he goes on to say that they would, they would be having a form of godliness but deny its power. And, and Paul said, have nothing to do with them. Does that sound like the world to you, to me? But he said terrible times. He, he, he didn't pull any punches. It's not going to be a nice time. It's not going to be an easy time, but terrible. Horrendous times in the last days. John said here, he says, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. That is a kind of a big picture, isn't it? I think one of the best teachers around, best Bible teachers around that talks about this is, is uh, David Jeremiah. If you ever uh, listen to some of his teaching, I, I think he, he, he's just one of the best uh, dealing with these things. But, but, you know, this just isn't a concept that you find in the movies, right? How many of you have heard it in the movies? The Antichrist. And, you know, they make this and all this stuff. They go on about all this stuff. But this is the truth of God's word. He talks about it. And John brings it up here now in the middle of his epistle. The Antichrist, just as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This word Antichrist, it's an interesting word because the word anti can mean two things. It can mean against but it can also mean uh, instead of. Both are true. Both are true about the Antichrist. He is definitely against Christ. But one of his goals is to be the Christ, to be the instead of Christ, instead of the true Christ, the true Messiah. He wants to be the Messiah. That is one of his goals. That's what he wants to be. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to take the place of Jesus Christ. One commentary says that he's the adversary of Christ, but he's wishing to substitute himself for Christ as the supreme object of worship. It's kind of interesting when you think about this true, and we're going to read a few other passages about this, but that he is inspired and motivated, and Satan is very heavily involved in all of this as well. And that's one of the things Satan wants as well. He wants to be worshipped. Didn't he try He tried that with Jesus, even with Jesus. Fall down and worship me, and I'll give you all this. He... He wants to be, he wants to take that place. David Guzik said this about the Antichrist, that he is both a person and a political system. And he will lead humanity in an end times rebellion against God, a world dictator in what seems to be a golden age until he shows his true colors. The world stage is set for a political and economic superman, a single political leader to organize a world domination confederation of nations. That's a mouthful. If you would turn with me uh, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talks about this man. He talks about the coming of Jesus Christ, but he talks about this man here in in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians Uh, Verse 3 said, don't let anyone deceive you. 
For that day, the coming of Jesus will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness or the man of perdition, who is this Antichrist. Now, John is the only one who uses the title Antichrist, but he's, he's talked about in many different places in many different ways. And Paul talks about him here as the man of lawlessness, lawlessness until he is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, when is that going to happen? That is going to happen, absolutely. Who can tell me when that's going to happen? When? Right in the very middle, right? Of the, of the seven-year tribulation period. Proclaiming himself to be God, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. There's a lot in there, obviously. But we see this man of lawlessness, we see this falling away, we see that the Antichrist is revealed, Satan is involved in it, that there's this huge deception. Now there's a huge deception going on right now. He said it's already happening, he said it here in this passage. It's definitely already happening. But, but I think it refers in the middle of this too that, that he's speaking about the rapture here when the, the restrainer is taken out of the way. And then it's like everything breaks loose after that. The restrainer, when the Holy Spirit in, in God's people is taken out of the way. And then the lawless, lawless one will be revealed. And, 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 but, but we can see here how, you know, how does that end up? How does that work out for him in the end? Not very well. The Lord just has to breathe and it, he is wiped out. And he's going to eventually end up in the lake of fire. talks about him in Revelation chapter 13, the, ant the Antichrist. It says that, that he opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. That's what he's going to do. That's, that, that's what he is all about. So, so John tells us back now in the, in the book of 1 John, John tells us that the Antichrist is coming. He's definitely coming. But he says, even now, many antichrists have come already. And this is how we know it's the last hour. Because we see this kind of person already. We see it happening already. The antichrist is, is going to come. He's, he will be revealed, but he's going to be preceded by many, many antichrists. Look at verse 22. What does it say there? Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist, and he denies the Father and the Son. We've been seeing that take place, people denying that Jesus is the Christ uh, uh, all through these centuries. 
There have been many, many who have come along, who have, who have been like who this Antichrist is going to be. And, and, and mind you as well, I, I think this idea of deception too, he's not going to come across as the, an evil person. He's more going to come across as someone who is able to unite everybody and loves everybody and has everybody's you know, best uh, interests at heart. But there's something behind all that, isn't there? As we already read there in, in, in 2 Thessalonians, he, he really wants to take God's place. But even since I have you know, been a believer, there have been many, many that's, that people have thought was the Antichrist. The Antichrist. There are many Antichrists, many little Antichrists. Maybe you can say the little A, but there's only one that's going to be the Antichrist. And, and, and I think it's going to be clear at some point, although, again, there's this delusion that will be. But many names have been put, put forth, and even in my uh, lifetime, I remember early on it was Henry Kissinger. Remember that? And, and, then, it, you know, and then it was the Pope. Uh, any other names come to mind? Trump, people. Obama is a big one. Uh, Hitler, right? Some say, you know, Putin. We don't know. At this point in time, they haven't, you know, they haven't arisen to the place where they can kind of get everybody to work together and, and you know... There's a lot of little antichrists, and, and they're even in our own country right now in total rebellion against Christ. And even as uh, we, we already read, he said, you know, they, they would, you know, profess to be, but they deny the power of God. They profess to be followers of God. We see that even in our own country where these leaders, it, it irks me, and I, I'm not going to get political, I promise you, but it irks me for people to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and yet are you know, espousing every and any kind of immorality, abortion, you know, uh, gay marriage, you know, the, this gender insanity, all these things. How can you say that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and the word of God and, and yet try to, to, to bring about all these things. It's, it's horrendous. And, and so we see it happening. Now, is that the Antichrist? We don't know yet. One of them might be. We don't know. I don't think, is Henry Kissinger still around? I don't think he is, is he? He died, right? So he's, he's, off, he's off the table. But there's going to be one. And is it during our lifetime? You know, are they alive today? They could be. But even if it's not the Antichrist, there are many Antichrists that are working over time to, to you know, uh, build their kingdoms in this world. Because they have the same kinds of motivations and the same things that are, that are behind what they do and, and the things that they're espousing. We could see it happening in our world today. Again, as much as we don't like it, as much as we don't like it, uh, Paul said as well in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 4, the Spirit clearly sell, uh, says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. 
They're going to abandon the faith. They're going to leave the, the, the faith. There are churches, whole denominations of churches that are departing the faith and still calling themselves a church. But not only that, there are so many that have just left the church, left the faith following after Jesus Christ. As much as we don't like it, you know, uh, this apostasy of, of leaving behind, abandoning the faith, leaving behind the true uh, word of God, as much as we don't like it, it it's a precursor. It's a, a thing that's showing us that these, these things are, are, are coming to a close. They're coming to a, you know, a, a head. Is it the time, the days that we live in? It could very well be. I, you know, I can't say for sure. Maybe David Jeremiah will, will, can, can give you the, the total answer on this one. But, but some of the things that have happened even in the last 24 months look very much like uh, a, a globalist situation. How, how the whole planet has been affected by something. Uh, how people have been you know, put under the thumb of leaders yeah, you know, how, how our, even in our country, which was built on, on freedom, how we have been losing our freedoms left and right. Is it concerning? Yes, as much as I don't like it, but is this, you know, what is happening? Are we at that place? Interesting, verse 19 here, he says, they went out from us, but they didn't really belong uh, to us, they, they, some of them even came out from the church. That's a scary thought. Even in the midst of the church, there were these that, that now went out and, and, and had this whole new program. He says they didn't really belong to us. That's kind of a scary thought in itself that, you know, you could be in the church and yet, you know, not really be saved. You could be going to a church and not really belong to Jesus Christ. And then you go out and show, again, your true colors. John Corson talks about this. He says, you know, people that are linked to no one, accountable to no one, and they not only depart from the fellowship, but also deny the faith. I... I I wonder sometimes, and I, and, I, and I noticed this when I first came to Rhode Island, how many Lone Ranger Christians there were in our state. Maybe that's because of the independent man on top of the state house. I don't know, but there are so many. There are so many. You know, they, they just, I, I don't really need church. It's not that important. I don't really need to be part of a body. It's, it, it doesn't, you know, I can do this all on my own. I wonder if that's a deception from the enemy, you know, divide and conquer. You get somebody off by themselves and you can do whatever you want to. You know, we need each other. We need the church. But there were some, he says, you know, they were, they were there, but, but, you know, not really part of that. Were they truly Christians? You know, we've seen through the years we've been here, we've been doing this a long time, Right? We've been doing this a long time. We've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, they just, you know, God moved them. I've done, I believe God does move people on from one church to another church uh, where, where the word of God is actually being taught. But some people that have come and now they're, they're nowhere. 
And by their actions, they're denying the faith. I wonder about that. Were some of them actually not even Christians? Were they not truly born again? I don't know. I can't, we can't look at somebody and know that. We can, we can kind of see, we we'll look at the fruit, you know. Uh, do they have any fruit in their lives? Anything that's, that could, you know, show that the Lord is working in their lives? I'm not talking about people who physically can't get to church. It's, it's, it's more than that, isn't it? It's people who... who they just, it's not important. I'm going to go out golfing. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go do this, that, or the other thing. It's a, it's a sad thing. And you know what? I think even more nowadays, we need the church more than ever. We need each other more than ever. This, this you know, little thing we call the, you know, Calvary Chapel, Green Meadow, we've got this little fellowship. We've got something that, that's important that, that holds us together that, that, that we need. And so, you know, I think about it sometimes, you know, like, what, what are we doing here? And, and is, it, is it profitable? And then I think, you know what? We have a fellowship of people that we need each other, and, and we need to keep... Uh, each other on track and we need to study the word of God and and pray and do what God's asked us to do so getting back to the beginning here the last hour Warren Wiersbe also said it he said the last hour began back in John's day and has been growing in intensity ever since and I think it is getting in more and more intense and and uh, let me just read to you from from second Peter Second Peter chapter 3, Peter talks about this. He says this, because we wonder, you know, well, why is it taking so long? He says this in Second uh, Peter 3, starting in verse 3. He said, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? And ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. But the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. See, it seems like a long time for us, but with the Lord, he's, he's kind of outside of time. And, you know, it's like two days. You know, today is what? Uh, Sunday. You know, it was like Friday. Two days ago. What were you doing two days ago? It's like that for the Lord. It's like it's, it's a whole different thing for him. For us, it seems like a long time, but notice what he says. He's patient. It's, it's really his patience. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but we already read those that re, they refuse to believe. But God doesn't want anyone to perish. 
But he wants everyone to come to repentance. Why is it taking so long? Because God is patient. That's why. That's why. Finally, the last passage I want to read is this, Romans chapter 13. He said, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let it affect the way we live because we know the time is short. And we should be, uh, you know, in a sense, freaking out that it's getting so bad because the time is close. And, and, you know, what about those family members? What about those friends that we have, those neighbors that we have that are not believers? Are we praying for them? Are we looking for opportunities to let them know? Hey, the world is a scary place and we're, you know, what is going on today is, is very, very scary. But there's someone who's bigger than all of this and his name is Jesus. God will give us those opportunities. You know, I'm praying for my neighbors. You know, I pray for them. And and I went and visited with them. And, and, you know, uh, I I just said, I'm praying for you. And they kind of, you know, one of them kind of laughed at me. And I said, you know, I I always pray for the really bad ones. Something like that, just to lighten it up a little bit. But they know that I'm praying for them, and I'm not afraid to say it here publicly. We need to be praying for those family members. I pray for my family members. I do. I don't have many left. You know, I, uh, there are some family members that I, you know, I don't, I, I pray for my, you know, my, my immediate family members, you know, that don't know Jesus. But there are, there are others, you know, uh, I heard this week that, uh, you know, one of my nephews who I actually had never, never met, 24 years old, died in a motorcycle accident. And, and you know, uh, that's hard. It's sad. And, and, you know, I watched part of his memorial service yesterday and, and I, I wish I would have known this young man. He was a believer. He struggled, though. He had a hard time. He'd been in a, in a program and, and uh, you know, uh, was victorious. And then he kind of fell back. And he was back in the program again when this happened. And, and, and uh, kind of like a teen challenge program in, in Missouri. And you know what? But, but he was a believer in Jesus Christ. And I thought, you know... Uh, what about the rest of his brothers and sisters? You know, what about my, uh, my brothers and my sister? You know, what about your brothers and your sisters, your parents, maybe your neighbors? We've been warned. We've been warned. The day is almost here. That's what he says. This, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The day is... is uh, is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Eschatology, it's big. It's a big word, but it's a big thing too. And, and you know, it, it just gets down to that thing that, you know, as I, as I read in the beginning, it reminds us that this world isn't our home and to look beyond what is presently happening for heaven. Look beyond what's presently happening that God is at work and he is at work in you and in 
has a plan and a purpose. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, that your word is so big and and living and active and powerful, and, and, and yet it, it talks to us about things that we have a hard time understanding, and, and some of these things we don't like, and how terrible the times will be in the last times, the last days. But yet you want us to be on our toes, and you want us to be ready. Help us to understand, Lord. There's so much I confess I don't understand about this subject. But you understand it, and you have a plan, and you have a purpose, and, and yes, that, that day is closer now than when I first called on your name, and, and when you saved me, when you rescued me, and it's, 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 it's closer now. I'm, I'm one day closer than I was yesterday to the end of all things, the end of all time, the last things, the last hour, the last days and maybe even the last minutes, the last of the last. Father, empower your people and, and give us boldness in these days, Lord, to speak up. To speak up for you. We're all, we're all just human and we, you know, we don't like to offend people. We don't like to uh, be uncomfortable. But Jesus, you saved our souls. You have the living water. You have the hope. Help us to be bold and share it with others, Lord. I pray, too, for any maybe that might be listening today. You've never surrendered your life. You, you, don't, you don't know this person called Jesus, the true Christ. The world has been, you know pretty much hammering you in every possible way. Today, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. He's the one who will show you the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. And all you have to do is surrender and say, Jesus, Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive me. Show me the way. Show me the truth. Save me today in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, let's all stand and sing together, shall we?